0: Hi, I am Lauren Baskier and you are listening to The Woven Women. We are a touring multimedia arts initiative that gives a voice to women around the world. Through sound stories and photography portraits, we create immersive exhibitions where communities can come together and hear the stories of local women. Welcome to the first chapter of The Woven Women. Starting a journey in Aotearoa, New Zealand... This chapter is called Wahini, which means woman in te reo Māori, the Māori language.
1: You know, never ever bow down to anybody. You stand up, you're mana whenua. We have a power that most of us don't even realise is there. I think she showed me what it looks like to be a successful Māori woman. Mana Wahini is the ultimate. And Wahine is is Wahine.
0: (laughs) Since our last episode, a lot has happened. What a challenging time we're going through. This pandemic has been, and still is, really shaking everyone. But probably more than anyone else, indigenous communities all around the world have been particularly vulnerable during this period. Because of a poor access to essential services, and even when they are able to access healthcare, the two often have to face stigma and discrimination. Indigenous women have been on the front lines, protecting their communities with the teachings of their tūpūna, or ancestors, responding by connecting to Papa tuānuku Mother Earth, and by leading with ma tāūrunga, wisdom. We have been incredibly lucky and safe here in New Zealand, which allowed two more venues to host the exhibition throughout the pandemic, in July, Wahini not only travelled to the Gollumbay Museum in Takaka, but also expanded, welcoming a new woman from the local iwi or tribe to join the journey. Kiara Mairangi. recalling the powerful feeling of learning, acknowledging and belonging, she offers us a sensitive reflection on being a Maori woman and embracing femininity. marangi has a fakatoki or proverb she really resonates with. And I would love to share it with you. Ehara takutoa, toa takitahi, Hengari, itoa takitini, which she translates as I come not with my own thoughts, but that of my tupuna and the wairua and mana of my peers.
1: My father was brought up here in Golden Bay and His parents, my grandparents, they came from Taranaki but um, they only spoke Māori when they didn't really want us to know what they were talking about. So we actually just switched off. So I never learnt the role. But when I was little there was an island down at the mouth of the Waitapu River called Pātoto and um, it was where my tūpuna had lived. From them, I learnt the time to plant and the time to harvest, and they practiced these important rituals for sustainability of the seasons. My grandmother, on my paternal side, she decided that she was going to help me make a, a pupu, a flat skirt. I was so proud to be able to do this and still have it as a special tongue of myself today. I love being with her, actually. She had a a yellow bonnet (laughs) with a ribbon. My mother was born in uh, Ohinamutu in Rotorua, but her mother died when she was only a few months old, so her grandparents from Motueka went up and brought her back and... And she grew up over in Motueka. And her grandparents that she lived with, they were completely Māori speakers. So she learned how to speak Māori from them. But they used to say to her, um, you know, use your Pākehā language outside to get on. So even though she understood it, I don't remember her speaking it. I got on fine with my mother, except that sometimes I would stand up for myself. When I remember, she told me to apologise to my two older sisters because I'd said or done something, and I said no, and she said why not? I said, because I meant to say what I'd said, and I couldn't believe that she didn't understand that. <laughs> so I had a an interesting life in that I didn't always conform to the what was considered normal in those days. It was a sibling thing. (laughs) I came in the middle somehow, I'm not quite sure where that fitted in. (laughs) Oh, I was born here, in Golden Bay, in Tākeka, and um, I was looking forward to doing something. So I went to Wellington and trained to be a typist. Um, I had also been given accommodation in in a post office hostel in Wellington in this beautiful old home it was lovely and I can't remember how many people there but most of them are Māori so it was my first introduction to not only meeting them but living with them and I loved it they were just so friendly and and I loved that that the thought of being part of this indigenous people you know that was me Mm. Oh, I knew I was Māori, but to me, I was just me. And it wasn't until I went overseas and and joined Māori Club in London, and then another one in Wellington, and slowly got more immersed into Maori Tanga that I suddenly realised that I had a title, almost. You know, I I was Māori, and that I belonged, and I actually was part of something myself. I had something that was mine. I'll leave the guitar. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we should do it it. I think for me, my journey through my life was actually immersing myself into who I was through my tūpuna. We're not here just because we're here. We're here because we come from a lot of people who've walk the walk before us. I am part of of something powerful. It just for me it's something. Um sometimes hard to explain, isn't it? I absorbed a lot of of the folk papa of our family without sort of realising I was taking it in, but I was fascinated by it. And um, eventually I worked out the whakapapa of where we all fitted in and um, for me it was an opening. When my husband died, I um, and he wasn't Māori, and so I started going back to the Marae and I found it really difficult to assimilate or amalgamate into that because I really didn't know anything about my culture about what you should and you shouldn't do and all those sorts of things. So for me, it was really difficult. But I had a, a friend who um, encouraged me to go down, to keep going, because I was always going to leave, and he would say, no, where you go, go back. And um, it was through him that I persevered and stayed there. Gradually, I sort of realised, okay, so maybe I'm not too bad after all. <laughs> Also, um, along that journey, I was at at Te Afina in Matawaka one day, and there was a queer there called Kupe, Auntie Kupe, and um, she she was a very tall, very elegant my woman. She had authority, you know. She was one of those very strong-looking women, beautiful. In how she said. OK, my girls, I you to go and do karanga. So they will trot it out. She said to me, you have you to go. And I said, but I don't I don't know how to do it. Get in the corner. So I got in the corner and she said, now say karanga three times. And that was the beginning. So after that, I said to her, I would like to know how to do karanga properly. And she said, OK. So she taught me how to do karanga. And, yeah, you know, it's just like a karanga is, is a calling, but... It's also knowing your tūpuna around you when you're doing it and why you're doing it and who you're doing it to and the marae, you know, and, um, oh well, if you're going in or if you're there and you're calling them in. Yeah, so um, I was really fortunate that I had someone like her to teach me. I said to her once when she told me to get out and do a certain thing for some and that was coming in, I said... Oh, I said, I can't do that. I kept crying. She said, that's your spirit sitting on your shoulder. She might not realise, but she had a lot of influence on my life. Um, I think being a woman woman um, has helped me at times to express my spirituality and given me the opportunity to share with other people my culture, who I am, but sometimes <laughs> I think like the emotional spiritual part of it does affect me really, really hard. Um but it's probably because I've got to remember I've got my two pillars sitting on my shoulders. So um you know I can just feel them here right now, sort of patting me on the back. <laughs> I was invited to have a moko, um, but in my opinion only, I've never learnt this from other people, it's just how I feel, is that to me a moko is something that the old Maori Queer wore Is part of their way of life of that time. And I said, I don't have that. And and I just don't want to say, put that on me because it looked good or put it on me to say who I am. To me, I felt that the old Maori people, they earned it. It was part of the philosophy of their life. You know, it it was who they were in, in... to me that wasn't me. But I was never brought up in my environment and I'm still finding myself. Even in my old age, I'm still finding myself. And I don't feel that I will ever get to to that level where I'm able to have one. Because um I don't think I will ever get to that stage in my life where I would feel I have earned it. But Being Māori is such a blessing when you realise you are one. And I'll get there one day. Sometimes, um, you know, I'll I'll burst into tears, but I don't really know why. And um, um, yeah, it's funny that, because that's part of life, isn't it? And that's part of your femininity. It's something that evolves out of you. It's a feeling rather than a looking. The way you react, the way you talk, it's sort of a pouring out of of your um, soul. Like, women are very emotional, and I think that intuition is so much part of our life, but we don't realise it quite often. Well... For instance, I'll ring up my, one of my daughters and say, Are you okay? And they said, Oh, you yeah, why? And I said, I just had a feeling about you. Oh, yeah, well, touch and touch and so and so. You know, I think that's femininity. And thinking about that, I never really became a woman until I had children. I was me, but when I had children, my life changed. Take my feet down the section, room. Yeah, that's a good idea. We went I've got no two daughter. daughters and a son and I've two. got eight grandchildren. And the oldest one is Ruben, he's about 29 and um my youngest one is seven. When I became pregnant I was thinking, wow, this is something new. I had never known what it was to be creating another person and when she was born um, they brought her in and you know I could not believe that I had given birth to this beautiful little wee baby you know and so they had all wrapped up and since soon as I walked out I pulled everything and had a look at her little wee tiny toes and her fingers and everything um, and I think from that moment on, I, I was a mother. The only thing was I was terrified of going home with her because I had no idea of what to do when I got home. I mean, yeah, I can't really remember now, but I mean, it obviously all came back, but um, yeah, as, as a mother, I, I was a full-blown mother <laughs> from the moment my first child was born. I was just happy for my kids to be happy to me. Um, it was important that they knew they were loved and belonged. I mean, I've had had lots of um, insecurity issues about who I am and, you know, when I feel really inadequate. But there are times when um, I know I'm accepted for the person I am and that's um, when I feel a lot more capable, accepted. Basically, I think for me growing up, there have been challenges that I've had to understand and work out why or why not. And so, um, that's my life. I mean, everyone is the same. They have, they have values and they have things which are important and they have things which they feel might be important to other people, but not necessarily to them or might be important to me, but, not to other people. So if it doesn't fit, but I'm happy with it, I'm okay. Yeah, it's a matter of learning how to get on life, isn't it?
0: I love listening to Marangi's korero, or story, every single time and I'm so grateful for what she allowed herself to share with me and with all of us. If you enjoyed my rangi's korero too, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with your friends or followed us on social media at The Woven Women.
1: So, you know, in one minute there's this second of, of the difficulty of it, and then there's the, the laughter of the pure pleasure of being alive and finding your own way and finding your strength within that difficulty. There's a beauty there. The photography is incredible. The stories are their own stories, telling themselves. It's a very simple format, but it's a very deep format, photo and speaking narrative.
0: Thank you so much, Leah, for these beautiful words. This was the fifth episode of our exhibition, Wahini. Next week, I will be heading to Hokitika, on the west coast of Te Wai Poonamu, the South Island of New Zealand, to share a beautiful conversation with a new woman who will be joining this journey, Lisa Tumahai. She's the the Haere, or Chair, of the Naitahu Iwi, and the first woman in this role. I look so much forward to it. The exhibition will be heading there in February 2021, followed by another 11 regions. We are planning on going to Invercargill, Dunedin, Christchurch, Palmerston North, Rotorua, Gisborne, Whangarei, Auckland, Hamilton, New Plymouth and Wellington, which means 17 women will be featuring on the exhibition by the end. This is so exciting. If you haven't done it yet, make sure you subscribe to the Woven Women podcast now so you get to hear their stories as the exhibition goes around. Until then, Kiara, and thank you so much for listening.